0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast designed to give people the inside scoops on life in our church. Uh, every so often, we've been cycling through a rhythm of hearing from some next-gen voices and I've got a great one uh, this week, I want to introduce to everyone, Sydney Pettit. Sydney, <laughs> say hi to everybody. Hello. You are a, South, a Southridge podcast listener.
1: I am. So, uh,
0: you're feeling extra pressure <laughs> yes, today definitely. Uh, because you've, you've enjoyed these so much. <laughs> um, for those of us who uh, don't know you, just give us a bit of your personal background, help us to understand kind of where you're coming from in this conversation. Yeah.
1: So, um, I'm a fourth-year Brock student. Um, I I'm not from Niagara. I just came here for school. Uh, Currently, my parents live in Windsor, Ontario. Windsor. Yeah. So it's just been me and them all my life. And yeah, I'm just here for school studying therapeutic recreation. Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Working a little bit now. Working a little bit. Yeah. Shelter. It's good. So uh, tell us first of all, the story of how a Brock student from Windsor ends up at Southridge. We know that we're Uh, or St. Catherine's location at least, is at the base of the hill uh, right below uh, Brock University. But just give us that story of how you ended up here.
1: For sure. So I came to Southridge with three friends on a Sunday morning. And we, two of them had kind of done a little bit of research. Um, I'm sort of new to faith. And so I was just coming along as like a baby Christian, I like to call myself. And I was just really excited to kind of dive into a community in Niagara because I was loving Brock so much.
0: And how long ago was this?
1: This was in my second year. So it would have been two years ago now.
0: So two years ago, you have some friends from school and they've done some research. I mean, part of me would be curious to know what research you do. (laughs) Did they search websites? Did they listen to talks? You know, was there a Southridge uh, you know advertisement in the sky, or how, <laughs> yeah. how, how did they find out about it? But that's a different question. So uh, they bring you here and, yeah, describe what it was like in those uh, early weeks just to experience life around here.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. We actually showed up on a Sunday morning when there was a discover, Southridge. So the four of us were sitting in the auditorium, loved the message, thought it was really great, and then heard that we were invited to this kind of deeper look into what Southridge was and what this community was all about and so in a moment of boldness all three all four of us were like yeah let's go let's do this (laughs) so we did um, and we showed up and it was Chris Fowler leading it which was unreal because the four of us had a just monumental conversation with Chris that morning and then like one thing led to another and he was like, let's go out for lunch. Like, I want to continue this conversation and I want to get to know you guys more and whatnot. And so we went across the street to cats and had lunch and, I honestly say that the rest is history yeah. because it was in that moment of like leaving cats after he had just been so intentional and wanted to really hear from us about who we were as young adults and what we wanted and this community that of faith at Southridge was. Um, and I was like, this is something that I'm going to be a part of from now on. So yeah, yeah it was really exciting.
0: The funny thing about that story, uh, and we haven't talked about this, but you know, I'm hearing the other side yeah. of that, right? and, uh, just so everyone knows, this is not just something that a Chris Fowler does for a job. Right, like he is so deeply into these kinds of experiences and, and opportunities. Yeah, um, and they're 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 just oozing from yeah. his heart to get to exactly. know and connect and whatever. He came out of that and was like texting me <laughs> and was like, "Oh, these four girls from Brock showed <laughs> yeah. up, and it was just amazing." And we had to continue the conversation lunch after. And so I I think. In a lot of ways, he was finding it as significant and in some ways as trajectory shaping as you, because I know that that's led even to, uh, you know, different uh, transitions around here and how Mm -hmm. we serve young adults and whatever. So it was definitely it was very significant on our end as well. And uh, it's just funny how those those moments can be so defining in in some cases. Yeah. so the last couple of years you've been around. Talk about what your involvement looks like uh, around our church these days.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, last year I volunteered at the shelter. This year I kind of took a different kind of step and um, asked for a position, kind of idea. So I applied and now I work as an RSS on the floor at the shelter and I lead while a- in school, like while in school. Time. Yeah, 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 just part time. And then I lead a life group with some Brock students young adult life group. It's wonderful. We meet on Tuesdays. It's awesome. Um, I'm on the first impressions team. I do tour guiding. Uh, I help with my Mike. Wife. Yes. With your wife. Yeah. I help Mike Nandorf with, um, editing and pre-record and all that kind of stuff. So I'm plugged yeah. in in a lot of different Very areas. Very
0: cool. Yeah. From two years ago <laughs> to today, it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. quite a, quite a journey for sure. Um, uh, my sense is that you're also thick as thieves with people like Fowler yeah. in the planning of the young adult activities. Definitely. So I know we, the last couple of years we've had a, a all three location wide young adult retreat. Mm-hmm. Has that been something that you've been, uh, an active part of as well?
1: Yeah. So last year for the first one, I was a huge part of that. I like to think at least. Um, but this year, unfortunately I was a- unable to attend just because of other family things that I had to go to. So it wasn't a big of part of it. Definitely missed that in my fall kind of season. It was this huge thing that came out of last year was like, Just this uproar of young adults that um, came to be, and life groups were created, and all these wonderful things out of this retreat. And so,
0: study cafes.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, (laughs) it was such a sad moment for me to miss it this year because then I, it was wonderful because I got to hear the. Emotions of it coming out of it from other young adults, but mm-hmm. it was sad to not be there for myself. Cool,
0: cool. Yeah. Uh, hey, helping to kind of orient us to you and your life and background a little bit more. Um, let's shift gears and talk about that that faith journey. Yeah, you said when you showed up, uh, you were a baby Christian. <laughs> yeah, uh, or, you know, kind of new to this. Um, you know, over the last number of years, through your experience around here, how has your relationship with God grown and changed?
1: Yeah. So I. I actually came to faith in university. So I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My parents are both like not spiritual, not religious, whatnot. Um, But I made some really key friends in my first year at Brock that were Christians. And it kind of gave me this platform and this opportunity to just ask questions. Um, And so through that, everything just made sense. And faith just became this massive part of my identity and of my life. And so then kind of going on to the second part of your question. So um, at school it just became this really like easy thing for me to connect with. Um,
0: was it mostly something that you, you know, as you were entering into a, a, a faith life, mm-hmm. that you were just kind of originally processing and growing almost organically with these friends? Or were there uh, campus programs or things that you were also plugged into or signed up for?
1: Yeah, no, it was mostly just my friends. Okay. And I think that... Like certain friends used things really intentionally, so like I completed Alpha with one friend, okay, just one on yeah. one, which was really awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just oh, it the was very organic. The alpha launch yeah, exactly. The year, yeah. I know you know it was really organic, and I think that's one of the best ways to do it, right? Yeah, it should just give somebody that opportunity to just speak freely and ask questions freely is empowering for somebody who is a non-believer. Yeah.
0: So. So you show up at Southridge then, and this is really your first then exposure to any sort of, we would call it organized religion or or faith community. What would you say has been the greatest difference that participating in the life of our church has made in your faith from the time when you started in that sort of you know baby uh, Christian zone that you're describing to where you find yourself today?
1: Um, I think that the biggest difference is probably just this, opportunity to engage however I see fit so Hmm. like this open-ended like what does faith look like to you is a really amazing empowering feeling that I can just like be in relationship with God and that is whatever I want it to look like so I'm being led by these people in the church that have these like super wonderful faith and I get to see how they lead their faith and how they lead their lives but then I also get to like take from other things that I'm seeing and hearing about and learning and I get to engage in that relationship with God how I want to and that is just in itself I think really beautiful but also something that is Exciting to talk about with people,
0: yeah, and very, I would say, Sydney, very significant for those of us listening to uh, kind of hear and reflect on for ourselves because mm-hmm. you know there's this kind of interplay between you know being led, being taught, being mentored by others who are further along in the journey and having a personal relationship with God, yeah. So many of us. Uh, especially those of us who've grown up in the church, we're, we're way more wired for the gear of not just following Jesus, but actually following other people yeah. in a way that can kind of overdo that at times. Mm-hmm. And our faith isn't our own. And then all of a sudden, later on in life, we have this crisis of faith where this was never really mine to begin with. Yeah. And you, you actually get to the place where you own your faith mm-hmm. and it becomes your own and you start actually personally relating to God yeah. uniquely yourself. And so it feels like right out of the gate, you're feeling that and, and, and starting to navigate that, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of this podcast rhythm is to hear from some next-gen voices. So we're just kind of curious to get your take on things. There's no, <laughs> no right or wrong answer right. here. You'll just see my facial gestures as yeah. to whether I like or don't <laughs> exactly. like what you Keep
1: going or stop talking. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, you've only been around Southridge for a couple of years. What would you say that you like most about our church?
1: Um, for me, Anchor Causes is such a casual way to invite people in. Mm -hmm. I think that Southridge is doing this amazing thing where we have given people an excuse or almost like a secondary reason to walk through the doors of a church, which is usually like the largest barrier of coming to a church and showing up on a Sunday morning is that initial walking through. And so I think that through things like the shelter and then the different programs that we run in the Vineland and Welland locations, it's this awesome opportunity for us to get to invite people who are maybe Christians um, that go to a different church or non-believers and whatnot to just say, Hey, we would really love and appreciate you serving in any way just because it's a good thing to do as a human yeah. and not because we want to kind of like secondarily get you here, but then because people are coming in and experiencing Jesus' love through others, then it can kind of make that turn into this wonderful and beautiful thing that is Southridge yeah. and is our church.
0: Yeah, it's neat uh, certainly to hear, especially from younger people. Uh, I know that as we were making the shift years ago to become more missional, mm-hmm. certainly we wanted uh, you know, to raise the compassion and justice value of our church, right. uh, but we also wanted to more experientially disciple believers ourselves but then there was this third value that was more evangelistic in that sense we we called it the the new front door Mm -hmm. right the new front door that there's actually in our day and age especially i would say with the next generation there's an access point that is way less of a pole vault (laughs) to get over than walking through the typical front door uh, on a sunday morning and you um, know, I love the way that you describe it. You you you, you can tap into people's basic humanity to mm-hmm. wanna give back yeah. and contribute to to the well being of our society. And then all of a sudden, like we've recently talked about in our Hope Lives series, all of a sudden you start moving down those base paths. And gaining a bit more awareness and a bit more ownership, and through this engagement, then then you hit the surprise party yeah, of the friendship, exactly. And the friendship makes a difference, and all yeah. of a sudden you're rocked, and yeah, exactly. Uh, and and you see that then in a way that the more classic or historical, hey, would you like to come to church with me? Mm-hmm. Church meaning the Sunday service. Uh, you know, it's kind of your only access point into engaging in a relationship that's faith-based with someone. Right. And uh, yeah, this is, I find way more natural. So Mm -hmm. cool to hear that that's tracking with with, uh, your circles. Um, Tougher question. Maybe what (laughs) what do you like least about our church?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Reading this one was an interesting one. Um, I think that for me and something that I've kind of heard is that there wasn't anything for young adults to sort of hop into. We have had to create this, which has second, like it's been very fun and it's been really exciting to do that. But sometimes part of the greater good is having something that people can just easily come into. Um, And so I think that I would like to see, and maybe this is like another way of looking at it, but I would like to see us grow a young adult program that more fluidly allows for like the youth program to sort of just revolve into adulthood and that we are still like seeing people through that stage of their life too um so yeah
0: yeah and many many churches have established kind of sub communities yeah. around the young adult mm-hmm. age college and career yeah how we used to <laughs> describe yeah. it back in the day when i was that age and uh What's been so weird, and and this is just so our, our listeners can understand even where this comes from and why we haven't done this for so long. It was it was actually quite awkward mm-hmm. when our generation started leading the church to have a supplementary sub ministry mm-hmm. for our age people because right. <laughs> our age people were the church yeah, and exactly. we're running the church yeah. and we're like we were th- sort of. I don't mean this. Uh, disparagingly but like we were the big boys and girls yeah, of the of the church definitely. and so over the years we've we've always kind of wrestled with this dynamic yeah. because by the time a person's out of high school uh and and you know into their 20s we're viewing them as adults that we want to engage in the again for lack of a better term in the real church yeah. <laughs> as opposed to in a sub ministry of it and yet you're absolutely right. There have been opportunities, especially with Brock and Niagara mm-hmm. uh, students, in particularly our Welland and, and St. Catherine's locations, because they have a bit more access to them, um, to to really kind of on-ramp them or or access them in a really yeah. uh, in a really direct way. Because it, it then it just becomes more daunting. You show up and you're trying to connect to the church, and yeah. it's this you know uh, far more mass expanse mm-hmm. of, of uh, a world to navigate. And so that that seems to be the conversation today where I, I'm tracking with you on the one side, we need to get better in having an available access point that people can plug into right. and high school people can kind of graduate or progress yeah. into while at the same time, not losing the next gen edge in actually right. leading our church. Yeah, I mean, it's so sure. curious in, in in your world, you're a great example of this because you're wanting to both see next gen specific ministry develop Mm -hmm. and uh, you're on staff here. You're you're leading this. (laughs) So you're kind of leading the big church or the whole church and, uh, trying to provide this, this niche area of ministry, which Mm -hmm. is, which is pretty cool. Um, also want to get your take on some of the, the direction lately, Mm -hmm. um, from what you sense in the conversation about where we see God leading us. Um, how would you describe that? And how is how is our sense of where God's leading us tracking with you?
1: Mm-hmm. I think that, again, this is kind of a hard one, but I think that for a lot of it, it's that God is really challenging us. Um, we are a larger church, I think on the grand scheme of things, especially around Niagara. And so it's really exciting that we have this opportunity to Um, grow and be equipped, but also to challenge one another in the church and challenge kind of this greater Niagara um, to what it really means to be a Christian in today's society and what it really means to love like Jesus loved. And so I think that God is really pushing us towards sort of making big changes and like having these really controversial and hard conversations. um, But that at the bottom of it, we are being equipped to just simply love. Yeah.
0: It's it's amazing to hear you describe that because as you're describing it, I'm thinking, you know, what's changed in the 22 plus years that I've been involved in, in, in leading this? And it's, at some level, nothing. Right. That's the exact same. We've said this many, uh, a number of different times. That's the exact same continuity of vision that we believe God has been inviting us into for years. Yeah. I, mean, I, I would describe it. More corporately, as you know, learning to behave in a way that together uh, makes Christ through the church make sense to people. Right, where we acknowledge that there's been this disconnect between Christians and the church from the person of Jesus, what what ordinary people understand Jesus to be versus what they see in Christians in the church, and we wanted to close that gap. But to close that gap, and I like the way you're articulating at a personal level, requires. Every single one of us being challenged, not in a judge the world out there, yeah. but like being personally challenged. How do I need to yeah. to, to reflect Jesus more and right. ultimately kind of bottom, bottom line, when you think about his great commandment, um, what does love look like in deeper, fuller layers mm-hmm. for me, period. Yeah. Um, so that I'm exuding the person of Christ to a, to a greater degree, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's funny that, that you would describe it that way. Uh, talk about, I know in the last number of years, one of the eras we found ourselves in is what we've called love beyond belief. That's yeah. kind of a new uh, phase or a new era of our church we find ourselves in. As a newer person and as a person living on co- you know college campuses and whatever, uh, how does that part of that direction track with you and your peers?
1: Yeah, um, I think that a lot of it aligns with kind of what I've just said about the whole, like, we're taking this super... Complex and controversial conversation and we're breaking it down into something so simple that I think every person in the church can agree on is that we are just supposed to love Mm -hmm. and that like loving people and loving them wholeheartedly without bias and without a separate agenda is just the plain and simple like what Jesus calls us to be and to do in the world Um, and so yeah I have been tracking with Love Beyond Belief I really agree with it I think that us participating in this conversation, especially now, is something that is super crucial, especially with wherever we're going to go as a church and, yeah, how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus mm-hmm. around here.
0: Super simple and massively challenging. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Um, hey, You've kind of joined in uh, in an era of history where we keep talking about this generational transfer, yeah. right? Kind of handing the family business of the church, <laughs> the, the keys of the family business over to the next generation. And, uh, you know, you're representing not just yourself, but a whole posse of, <laughs> you know, these these younger adult uh, next-gen people. Um, in your circles, how are you seeing younger leaders step up and take responsibility these days?
1: Yeah, I think that I'm seeing it in a couple of different ways. I'm seeing it in... Like for some people, they can see that in themselves and they know that and they want that um, and they can motivate themselves in that. And I think that I see that around Southridge a lot. But then I also see it in certain people seeing something in somebody else that they didn't see in themselves and empowering them and motivating them to be that because they can see the quality of their heart and what they want to do in the church and that's super exciting to me because I think that oftentimes it's the extroverts and the people who are really solid in their faith and whatnot who can sort of uplift themselves and get going and plug in and whatnot. Yeah, the but
0: self-starter. Exactly. Yeah.
1: But it's also really important for the people who maybe gravitate towards taking a step back to still have just as significant of a voice in those conversations and whatnot.
0: On the, on the next gen side, what's been impressing me is the, I don't know if this is the right word, but just the, the, the degree of spiritual advocacy and engagement yeah. that the next generation is bringing. There's a, a real sense, and you know, in my 20s, this wasn't nearly as palpable as it is today, there's a real sense that many next gen people want to, the phrase is be the change that they want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot more of that. I would say Mm -hmm. these days, which from my seat is giving me a lot of hope and optimism Mm -hmm. because people are stepping up and being owners as opposed to observers, you know, spectators, bit participants, like they're grabbing stuff and, and, and owning it in amazing ways. Um, you talk, though, also about kind of the first generation people and the role that they're playing, yeah, uh, which is just as critical in the handing off. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the building up rather than the,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: pushing aside, because uh, sometimes people can feel like there's only so much ownership that can get taken yeah. in, in, a, in a community. And yet, you know, Jesus himself had said, looking out at the crowds of his day the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, right? There's always more leading and more ownership (laughs) that, that can happen. And I hope people listening are, are encouraged to be that person, whether it's your personality or not to lean into that and, and to try to uh, to try to step up into that Mm -hmm. Um, related to kind of the journey of generational transfer. uh, Are there things that you or your, your friends uh, see that could be improved?
1: Um, I don't know. I think that one of those things is intentionality. Like, I think that that's something that we can always improve on as humans is being intentional with others. Um, and the one thing that I th- see and we talk about as a life group and just with other young adults is this idea that we want to be friends with quote unquote, the older generations and the older adults of the church. And there is so much that we can learn from them, but also participating in a way that we also feel like we are bringing something to the table too. Um, like, I don't know, a friendship is a two way street, right? Yeah, you yeah. learn something from me. I learned something from you. Um, I think that being intentional about growing friendships and that again, with the whole two way street analogy of like, I should go up to more older adults and be like, hey, do you want to be my friend? Like, let's go for a coffee (laughs) kind of thing, right? But also, I would love for somebody else to seek me out and be like, hey, I really saw you up there and your worship and whatnot. And do you want to go for a coffee or just those super, like, small intentional moments of what can I learn from you? How am I going to do that? Okay. Let's be bold in that moment,
0: which is a great point for all of us listening, because the the process of generational transfer, what I love that you're tapping into here, the, the process of generational transfer is not just a kind of back room leadership succession planning right. initiative. It's communal mm-hmm. in us as a family I, I think about it in the Old Testament the number of times that the 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 nation of Israel the the people of God are referred to in a from generation to generation kind of a way mm-hmm. and you're describing the relationship that all of us all of us listening all of us who are part of this family can relate to one another right. in a bit more proactive and intentional way yeah. generational transfer and the enjoyment of generational diversity is mm-hmm. something that we all can enjoy if we'll. Be a little more intentional on it that's yeah. a great encouragement um hey there's a lot of talk these days about uh millennials <laughs> and how differently millennials in the next generation kind of see the world mm-hmm. so a few kind of popcorn uh you know, <laughs> final questions here um based on what you see and kind of live every day how does your generation think about faith differently than previous generations
1: yeah um i kind of want to preface what we're talking about with what Aaron also said when he did the first or the next gen voice of like, I don't speak for all millennials in this sense. Um, but we had Aaron
0: ends, you know, came and he shared a month ago Yeah, and, uh, yeah, needed to make that disclaimer. So yeah.
1: Um, you're speaking for you. Yes, exactly. Um, I think that our generation thinks about faith in a, in a different way of the sense of constant change. So constant bettering. And I know that, that, Is something that we've seen through and through generations but I think that Millennials are really good at being intentional is again a word I'll use about speaking up for a change so like we want these conversations and we'll do what we have to do to get a conversation like that Um, and I think that that's really exciting but also I think that we are different in the sense of we want to come alongside, um, and kind of see this process weave and, and, and learn as much as we can and take what we can and then like go with that and do what, what it, with it, what we will in terms of like making a change and being a change in the church.
0: That's, that's a a very astute observation. I know that in previous generations and sociologists will talk about this, even in just the, the, the way that history has kind of worked and evolved where there was such generic steadiness with society yeah. that our default was to resist change. Right, And I would say that what has shifted lately, and I don't know what the macro factors are, mm-hmm. but we have a generation of younger people now who don't resist change. They insist change. Exactly. Their, their, their default is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And there's no persuading them. They're actually expecting growth yeah. and change and pursuit. And that is a fundamentally different true north mm-hmm. in how people see the world. Right. And for me as a leader, how you're uh engaging them to embrace the future. Mm-hmm. Right. I've got a, you know, I I feel like the next generation is a lot more gas pedal than brake pedal. Yeah. Where before the generations that we would lead, you kind of had to walk them into change. Yeah. Well, now it's, you got to keep up with exactly. <laughs> their expectation of change. Which and I think is, that with that,
1: cool. we are also seeing a generation that we can like grab faith from wherever we want. There are so many platforms now that we can like be completely overwhelmed with what like Christ's love looked like, what living out a life with God looks like. And I think that that's another really exciting thing about the change is that We can be a change because we get to see change in so many different ways. And so we can be like, I want that. And I want this aspect of what they're doing over here. And I want to do it in a way that works for my community and works for me as a leader and as somebody who wants to just simply create better.
0: What would you say that your generation needs from a church or from a a faith community that might be unique or disproportionate to millennials?
1: Um, I don't know that I would say that we need anything different. I think that all humans simply need that like unwavering feeling of love and like you're doing something right. Um, something that I always talk about is how much more impactful it is to hear that somebody is proud of me than to hear that I'm doing a good job. And so I think that as anybody would like, those are just key things of like, We constantly need people to be coming alongside us, but to also be cheering us on from the stands and understanding how those roles are very different, but how those roles are also so key in creating a leader and creating somebody who can be a change.
0: And then finally, Sid, uh, what do you feel like your emerging generation of leaders are bringing to uh, a church family like ours that might be unique, that's going to help make our church better for the future?
1: I think that we are bringing this perspective of like we want to share with you, and we want you to share with us, Um, and with that we want to learn from both like both parties. I think that millennials kind of get a bad rap sometimes on being very individualistic and whatnot. And what I'm hearing from a lot of the people that I talk to in my young adult circles is that we want to learn and we want to be challenged by older generations. To be better and to carry on doing what works, but to also be that voice of change when it comes to things that we're thinking eh, maybe this isn't what's best in the long run.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and you had alluded to this earlier. There's way more, I feel like this in this generation, way more of a need or expectation of two dimensional reciprocity. Yeah. It's not like, first generation people invest in, invest in and provide and then once the second generation kind of gets to a certain place and has arrived, then right. they turn around and invest in, invest in yeah. and provide. It doesn't work that way mm-hmm. anymore and people are looking for a lot more mutuality in giving and receiving through mm-hmm. the diversity of what each other brings mm-hmm. and I think that that's way more the picture of unity and diversity that the Bible would paint of the family of God yeah. and is a really exciting opportunity uh, for our church family moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, any final encouragements or challenges? to those in our membership who are listening when it comes to, uh, engaging the next generation or being this multi-generation church as we look ahead?
1: Um, be bold. I think just be bold in your faith, be bold in how you interact with others. Um, sometimes we get really set in a comfort zone and what really works for us. And like, maybe we are those people who are going out of our way and meeting people, but like continue that bold. If you are being bold, that's amazing. Don't stop that. Um, and just kind of continue to be seeking out the goodness of God through other people. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Thanks so much for being here, gang. For those of you who are listening, I'm sure you're uh, not only impressed by the articulation of these young adults who are showing up in our midst these days, but really inspired uh, by what our future can look like as we engage uh, the emerging and next generation. So uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week as we continue finding our way together. Take care.